Turn please in the scriptures this morning to Romans 8th chapter. We begin a series here recently. We've titled Loving Him. Loving Him, referring to God. In Romans the 8th chapter and the 28th verse. He said, and we know that all things work together for good. Now, there's a lot of people that have barely been to church know that verse. Everything, well, everything's working out for the good. And you'll hear people quote half of this verse. Well, yeah, God must have had some purpose in it. And you know, like the Bible says, everything is going to work out for the good. That's a misquote. That's not what this verse said. You, you should not use that as a blanket statement. Everything is going to work out for the good. Because there are millions of people on this planet, it is not working out for their good. And unless there are major changes, it's not going to work out for their good ultimately. This idea that everybody's going to be all right and everything's going to work out good and right in the end for everybody is contrary to the Bible. If you decide to believe that, you're believing something different than what this Bible says. No, this is addressed to a very specific group of people. Not everybody. Now, I know what I just said is not politically correct. It's not what a lot of folks like to hear. But you got what people like to hear, and then you got truth. You got what men think, and you got what God said. And you, we, we, we got to get disciplined in what our foundation is and what our standard is. And sometimes people want to get up in arms and go, well, I got a right to my beliefs just like you do. Well, if you're a Christian, you don't have a right to your own beliefs, to just make up stuff and believe it. If Jesus is your Lord, you believe what he told you. Is that right? You don't just create your own doctrines. <laughs> this is going over big. Isn't it? No, we got way too much of that. No. Now, if Jesus is not your Lord, well, of course, you can do anything you want to do, but you're not going to be all right. You're not going to be okay. What did he say? What do we know? We know that all things work together for good to who? To them that love God. Does everybody love God? No. There's all kind of folks who don't even believe he exists. How could they love him? And then we've we already seen numerous scriptures that talk about people that hate God. There's a lot of people on the planet. That hate God. I know that might sound strange to you. But the Bible's right. The truth is right. We know that all things work together. For good to them that love God. To them who are the called. According to his purpose. Those who love God. Have God in their life. And he's working. To make things turn out right. Ultimately. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You don't have to know everything. Or do everything perfectly. But if you love God. 
He's working for you. I said, if you love him. If you love him. Now, uh, go with me to 1 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. 1 Corinthians 8. And verse 2. 1 Corinthians 8, 2. He said, if any man think that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. The scripture says that uh, knowledge puffs up, but love builds, edifies. It's right here in the next, uh, we'll go to the uh, third verse. Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. We live in what's called the information age. We are a knowledge intensive generation. And the problem with knowledge is the tendency is if you have a lot, the tendency is towards pride for how much you know or how much you think you know. And a pride of superiority over the less poor ignorant folks who don't know all that I know. And so there is great emphasis on education. And a lot of folks will look down on other people if they don't have a minimum of the formal education that they had. But knowledge, a lot of knowledge does not make you a good person. Being what people would call a genius does not make you a good man or a good woman. You could be an evil genius. (laughs) Is that right? (laughs) The Bible talks about devilish wisdom. Is that right? James talks about devilish wisdom. And being a genius, as people might call it, will not assure that you have a good life or a successful life at all. Some of the so-called geniuses of the world, both in past historical times and present, are some of the most discontented, some of the most uh, disillusioned, Unhappy, many of them have committed suicide. And they think it's because I'm so much smarter than everybody else. I'm so much more aware and I I realize what a mess we're in and how bad everything is. You know, these are the folks are just uh, naive and their ignorance is bliss. But the truth is. The most knowledgeable and wise among us on the planet doesn't know anything compared to what there is to be known about it. Is this the scripture? If anybody thinks they know anything, they know what? They don't know anything yet as you ought to know it. For one reason, you just hadn't had enough time compared to the other beings that exist. We are little babies. I mean the hundred year old genius among us is a little child. 
what God knows. I said what he knows. Think about what it takes to create a universe. To create gravity and light and matter. You know, a few years ago, some guy asked some university students if they thought God understood radar. That's pitiful. How pitifully ignorant are you to even ask such a question? The only reason anybody ever understood anything about radar is because God opened up their mind and let them see what he had put in a bat (laughs) or some other thing. I, uh, I've been looking at some things on uh, light here recently, just in my own personal time. And uh, the Lord showed Einstein some things about light and time and his theory and special theory of relativity. I marveled about how that, uh, you think, well, why did he see that when for all these centuries nobody ever saw that? Why'd he see it? And you you begin to see his first job out of university, he worked in a patent office, you know, examining patents. And um, one of the main things, the patents that was coming across his desk had to do with clocks. God's got time in front of his face all the time. And at that point, he was looking at something else. He was looking at, he just focused on light and didn't know that time was the issue. Why did Einstein understand that? Because God meant for him to get it from before he was born. Because it was going to affect things that happened in the generation. He wanted that light into the earth. So he had clocks in his face every day. Until at one point he went, could it be time? (laughs) And that's the way he is with us. And if we found out something... That somebody else didn't know. It's not time to get haughty. And puffed up. It's time to realize. I'd have never seen that. Unless God revealed it to me. Unless he reached inside. And turned on the light. Right? And even though we see this. And we're rejoicing about this. We don't know anything yet. Compared to what he knows about it. And what there is to be known about this. Knowledge puffs up. Love edifies. And here's the thing. Keep reading. If any man thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if any man what? Love God. The same is known of him. Even in our our churches, in our denominations, in the ministry... Emphasis has been placed on knowledge about God. Who's qualified to be in this position or to lead or people look for folks with degrees in theology. Is that right? But the truth is, a man or a woman may have their doctorate in divinity They may understand and can read Greek and Hebrew and Chaldean and Aramaic, etc., etc. But if they don't love God, they're not qualified to lead anything of God. 
Come on, can you see this? Our emphasis has been off. It's been too much on knowledge about God instead of from a genuine heart loving God. We're not going to impress God with our knowledge. (laughs) Right? How in the world could you? Any knowledge you got, he gave it to you. Is that right? He knew it before you did. He's the one showed you. And compared to what he knows, you don't know anything yet. So you can't. You can't qualify with him and impress him with your knowledge. What you know. What will touch him. What will reach him. And you can have this strong and barely know anything. I said you can have this strong and barely know anything. It's what? You love him. He knows you love him. Hallelujah. The devil knows you love him. Other people that watch you can tell that you love him. And if you really love him, the same, the one that loves him, is known of him. What does that mean? We'll go to John 14. We'll remind ourselves of what that means. You might say, well, doesn't God know everybody? No, he doesn't. He knows about everybody. But in this sense, remember Jesus said, he was going to say to some people, depart from me. I never what? I never knew you. Knowing in the biblical sense of experiencing, intimate fellowship with. Who does God know in the sense of? Of them experiencing him and fellowshipping with him. Getting to know him intimately. Who? Not those that just have a bunch of degrees and think they know a lot about him. If that's all, that's not enough. Who does he reveal himself to? Those who love him. Hallelujah. Those who love him. Can you see one of the things the Spirit of God is saying to us? Let's get the emphasis off of knowledge and on to loving him. Now sure we want to know more. For sure. But more important than what we know is who we love. In John 14 and 15. John 14 15 says if you love me what will you do? If you love him, he said, you will do what I tell you. Now, that's contrary to some social ideas of love. But this is the truth. Skip on down to verse uh, 21. He brings it up again. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. Now, we're going to get into this in some detail later on, I believe. But uh, how can you tell if somebody loves God? It's not just the ones who say they love God. It's the ones who do what he tells them to do. That's how you can tell who really loves God. It's not hard to discern. And if you say, well, you know, I've rarely done what he told me to do, but I love him with all my heart. No, you don't. That's just not true. That's not true. 
He that, <laughs> that went over big, didn't it? Could you feel that? Like I said, people have social ideas, secular, worldly ideas, ungodly ideas of what love is. But here's the truth. If you love him, then you're going to choose him over other people and other things. And you're going to choose his will and to please him and to obey him. If you choose to do something different from what he said, you're demonstrating, I'm demonstrating if we do that, that we love this instead of him. If we choose them instead of him, no matter what you say, you love them instead of him. What we choose and what we love shows who we are and what we are. If you love God and you love good, you are good. If you love evil and do evil, you are evil. Can you see this? What you love is what you choose. And what you love and choose is what you are. That's what we are. In fact, you know, a lot of people have looked up longingly into the sky and go, why am I here? Why are we here? You're hearing the answer right now. There are gurus and sages that have been chanting for months trying to find the answer to this mystery. And you are hearing it right here. I'm telling you, you are. Why are we here? We are here to choose. We have this little brief life down here with an opportunity to show who we are and what we are by what we choose. Amen. If you choose to believe him and love him and follow him, You have revealed, your heart is revealed that you are a worthy one. You are one that will be his throughout eternity. If during a whole opportunity of a lifetime, you repeatedly reject him and refuse to believe in him and you love everything else more than you love him, your heart has been proven you are not a worthy one and you will not be his. And with him for eternity. What we love. Is what we choose. And what we love and choose. Is what we are. Shows our heart. Which uh, makes you look good. For being here in church this morning. (laughs) You could have chosen. To be somewhere else. Is that right? Doing something else. But you chose to be here. Why? Why are you here? I know you like us and we like you. But it's more than that. Right? I'm not just here because I like you and you're not just here because you like me. Right? It's more than that. It's bigger than that. You love him. Come on, you want to agree with it. I said you love him. And you have chosen him. 
And we love him. And we have chosen him. Hallelujah. And that already has, is speaking volumes about who we are. And what we are. And he's saying good things about us. That we chose him. <laughs> I kind of fast forwarded and got ahead of myself a whole lot right then. But I, I, it won't hurt you to be thinking about it between now and when we get to it. And then I'm, I'm serious and it'll, it'll register better when we do. Uh, 21. 14.21, he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me, if any man love God, the same is known of him. Here's another way of saying it. He that loves me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. To everybody? No. Does everybody love him? Does everybody do what he tells them to do? No. Then he's not revealing himself to everybody. Isaiah 45, 15, I believe it is. Says you are a God who hides yourself. Really? You're a God who does what? Young's literal says, you are a God hiding yourself. If God is real, and who this Bible says he is, and the creator of the heavens and the earth and everything, he could stick his face in the sky and say, hey, (laughs) and within the next two hours, there wouldn't be a human being on earth. That didn't believe in God. Somebody said, why won't he do it? He has chosen not to do it. He is specifically not showing himself to everybody. During this segment of there's coming a time when this whole thing's gonna be done. This earth and this atmosphere is gonna melt with fervent heat, and God's created a new heaven and a new earth. Where there is no curse. We've never been in a place like that. No curse. You can run through the jungle. And not even get a briar in your foot. You can grab hold of a lion. And not get bit. We've never been in a place like that. No curse. It'll never be even a couple of degrees. Too hot. Or too cold. No earthquakes. No tornadoes, no tsunamis. We've never been in a place like that. We're going to be. I said we're going to be. You know who's going to be? Them that love him. Woo. The ones that don't love him is going to be somewhere else. Not there. I'm quoting scripture. Them that love him. And here's the thing, God won't make anybody love him. And you can't make anybody love him. I know, we have acquaintances, you may have family, and it just hurts your heart that they don't love God. And you see their life slipping away and their opportunities passing them by and you're thinking, why don't you love God? 
but many don't and many won't. And you can't change that. Now some are just slow getting around to it. <laughs> like some folks in this room. <laughs> Is that right? So you don't know. And as long as there's breath, there's hope. Is that right? And you pray and you ask God for mercy and for another opportunity. But you can't make somebody love God. And he won't make you or I. It's our choice. We come to him. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Is he going to kick the door down? Is he going to come in and make you? No, he's not. You have to invite him in. I said, you have to. You have to say, yes, Lord, please come in. I want you in my life. And the moment you do that, God begins to become more real to you than all the unbelievers around you. And the more you love him, he said, those that love me, I will, I will be known to them. I, and look at the Amplified here, John 14 and 21. The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. Whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love him. And will do what? He's hiding himself from blasphemers. Those that blaspheme him and mock him, deny his existence, curse him. To them it's going to be like there is no God. It'll be like that their whole life unless they change. But to those that love him, what's going to happen? Will be loved by my father and I too will love him and will show, reveal manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Not to everybody, but to those that love him enough to choose him and do what he says. I said, do what he says. Oh, you got to love him and trust him. If he says, I want you to do this, you got to believe he knows best. Yes. Come on, somebody say, Father knows best. Father knows best. <laughs> now, 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 saying that and living like that are two different things. Father knows best. Father knows best. Phyllis and I were pretty content traveling in the ministry. We'd done it for 20 years. Thought that's what we'd do the rest of our life. And the Lord began to deal with us about Branson. And then eventually, uh, I saw he, he's talking about starting a church. I was shocked. You got to come back to Father Knows Best. Why Branson? Why Branson? Why Sarasota? I mean, if you're looking for numbers and demographics, you go to Tampa. Or, is that right? Or Fort Myers? or and, and, and in Missouri, you go to Kansas City or... St. Louis, why Branson? Branson has a population of 10,000. 10,000. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is accomplishing where that as many people will be reached on a Sunday morning in these services as the entire population of Branson. Hallelujah. 
through the internet and through the, the congregations. It's coming to pass. I can see it right now. Amen. Hallelujah. We're not that far from it. Isn't that something? But see, if you'd have been going by your thinking, you'd have thought, well, we need to do this or we need to do that. Say it out loud again. Father knows best. Do you love your daddy? Do you trust your daddy? How will we know? That that's not just empty talk. Because the next time he tells you to do something. Is that right? We'll see what you do. And that will show us. How many times has he told people, like he told Abraham, leave. Leave where you are. Leave mom and daddy. Leave home. Go out to a place I'll show you. Abraham not the last one he told that to. <laughs> he told that to Phyllis and I. But how many said, I can't. I can't leave my home place. I can't leave this. I can't do that. And as a result, what happened? They demonstrated they love mom and daddy. They love brother and sister. They love the old home place more than they love God. I'm talking about church going people. What did Jesus say? He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. If you love your own life more than you love him, not worthy of me. I think a lot of people think loving your kids is loving God. No, it's not. <laughs> and being so proud of your kids, you got to watch that too, because whose kids are they? No, yours. I'm so proud of my kids. That can be the same as being proud of yourself. You'd be thankful for them and love them, yes. But you don't love them more than you do God. I know of a number of people, they have stopped serving God because of their kids. They didn't like this or that that was happening with their kids. Or their kids wanted this and that. Or their kids didn't want to move. Or their kids this or that. And the Lord told them, well, i got to do what's best for my kids. What's best for your kids is obeying God. Amen. And what folks don't realize is what Jesus said. If you save your life for yourself, what did he say? You will lose it. You will lose it. And if you put your children first in your life, that's how you lose your children. Most people don't believe that. They need to see, from the time they're three years old, they need to see you putting God ahead of them. Oh, did I lose somebody? Your children and your grandchildren need to see you putting God ahead of them. Because if you don't, if you put them first, then they're going to think they come first. And they don't. God comes first. And so they're going to have problems in school and in sports and in the workplace. And then they won't know how to rear their own children. They'll think they're supposed to put their kids ahead of God. If we love anybody or anything more than him, he said, you're not worthy of me. 
He is a jealous God. (laughs) True or not? Go with me to Exodus. Some things make you want to run the aisle when you hear it. And some things make you want to repent. But you'll shout later. I said you'll shout later. Do you want to know more about God? Do you want God to be more real in your life? Are we waiting on him? No. Who's he going to reveal himself to? Not just those that talk about him. Those that love him. Do you love him? How do you know? How did Jesus say you could tell who loves me? The ones that keep my commandments. That do what I tell you to do. It's going to come down to a choice. Him or them. Him or that. Him or me. On a regular basis, it's going to come down to a choice. And if we choose something else, we prove we love that more than we love him. We love them more than we love him. In Exodus 20, when God gave the Ten Commandments, there's an emphasis that has not been made, I think, concerning the giving of the law. It's been made out that it was just completely legalistic, just a matter of keeping and doing. But it was more than that. Exodus 20 and 1. God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God, which have brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. What's the first thing he told them? You shall have no other gods. Before me. What's number one? Number one is. I'm number one. Right? (laughs) Number one is God's number one. You shall have. No other gods. Now. People look at this and go, well, yeah, they were falling down in front of idols and statues and, and, you know, and act like that has no application to today. Oh, gods are still around. I said gods are still around. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And what you give yourself to. You know, it's great to have a hobby. It's great to have things that you enjoy and have fun and recreation. But if you'd spend $50,000 on your fishing or your golfing or your whatever it is, but you wouldn't even consider putting 50000 in the kingdom, what does that reveal? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Right? (laughs) It's true. If God is the biggest thing in your life, and his will and his work is the biggest thing in your life, it's going to be evidenced by what you put your time into, what you put your, your labors, your energies, your resources, your finances. It's all going to show it. And if you never have any time for it, and you barely put any money into it, 
it's just not a priority to you. It's just not something you love that you're passionate about. But when you love something, it's not a labor to work on it. Is that right? It's not a labor to spend money on it. People spend money like water on stuff. And and they say, don't even tell me how much I put into it. I don't want to know. They just like it. They enjoy it. They care about it. Nothing should have a place above him. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make unto you any graven image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above or that's in earth beneath or that's in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down yourself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. There's insight here. Many believe God doesn't exist at all. They're wrong. Some have the idea if there is a creator God, he made all this and gave it a spin and barely checks in on it ever. Couldn't be touched with any of the little piddly stuff that's going on with us. Not true. In fact, if we, his people, choose something above him, It bothers him. Can you see this? If you're jealous about it, it bothers you. If he was not touched about it, didn't care, was above all that, he couldn't be jealous. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation of who? Of who? Them that hate me. Were there a lot of people on the planet then that hated him? Yeah. Are there a lot of people on the planet now that hate him? It's a fact. And Jesus said if they hated me, they're going to hate you. You know, don't fall off your chair, I might say. Don't be shocked. Why? Because it's not just you they have a problem with. They have a problem with him. Or they wouldn't say it and they try to hide it and cover it up, but they don't like him. They've seen him and they don't like him. And they try to imagine that's not him. I was talking to a fellow here recently, a minister, good man. And he was asking me about believing for an airplane. And uh, should he or shouldn't he? And about, you know, having one. And, and of course, we eventually got into the kickback about preachers having an airplane. And uh, a lot of folks, uh, they, they wouldn't dare have a project for an airplane in a church. They wouldn't dare just because of all the kickback. And, uh, you know, the Lord's taught us principles of faith. It's possible for us to believe for one and not say anything about it. But, you know, I found it's just as important to him Who's a part of it? Who gets used to do it as that it happened in the first place? It's very important to him who does it. Because they're going to have a part of the reward. That's eternal. And uh, what I realized some time ago, and finally, uh, we, we had a great time. We had a shout and victory time, actually. 
Because I, I told him, I said, you know, a lot of folks have backed off of the prosperity message because they're concerned that people will think they're in error or they'll try to associate them with somebody that's obviously in error about it or money hungry or whatever. But people have backed off of it and it'll cause a deficiency. Then what you should be knowing, this is easy to believe for, people won't even try. And the problem is, why would you do it then, Brother Keith? If the Lord leads you to. The Lord gave us a boat some years ago. Big old boat. 40 foot sea ray. Yeah. We put it up on the screen. On the big giant screens. We put it up on the screen and showed everybody. Mrs. Why in the world would you do that? I've actually heard preachers tell other preachers, I wouldn't wear shoes that nice. I wouldn't wear, you know, that hurts your offerings. Now you, you shake your head, but this kind of thinking, whether it's said or not, is common. I said it's common. But if it's wrong for us to have nice things, it's wrong for you to have nice things. Oh, yes. No, yes. If it's wrong for the church to have nice and good equipment, it's wrong for your businesses to have nice equipment. And as a general thing, people don't rise generally above their leaders. And if we're demonstrating a low, low level of things, then the bar is set low. Come on, can you see this? And the problem is people don't believe God is that real, that he is that big, and they certainly don't believe he is that good. Come on, can you see that? That he would actually want you to have that and give that to you because of centuries of wrong teaching and preaching in the churches. Minds have been warped that somehow or another God gets pleasure out of you being broke. That somehow that, that, that helps. No. He's not a broke God. He's not a little God. Now you can go too far and be covetous. And actually the Bible said covetousness is idolatry. So we're back to the same thing we're talking about here. If you talk more and care more about money and stuff than you do God, that's a God to you. Can you see that? And it's not the money that's the problem. Bible didn't say money's the root of all evil. It said the love of the money. And the problem is that you love that more than you love him. You want that more than you want him. That's the problem. That's the problem. But when it's in the right place, and you know it's just something to be used to accomplish his plan and will, you can have the best there is. I said you can have the best there is. What else on the planet is going on is more important than the kingdom of God and getting the gospel out? Why shouldn't we have the best? <laughs> Brother Leroy Thompson, y'all, y'all, y'all know of him, heard of him? He had a little plane and uh, he was somewhere and, and, and there was a big nicer one sitting on the uh, ramp and uh, they let him get in and look at it. He got in and sat down and uh, he sat down in the chair and he looked at his boys and he said, he said, now why we can't have one of these? <laughs> Phyllis and I say that to each other quite often. Why we can't have one of these? 
And you need to ask people, so what, what, do, what do they need that for? Well, why not? Why not? Why can't we have $10 million buildings? Why? Why can't we have big jet airplanes? Why not? What's the reason why not? See, that, that's where people get it. Instead of trying to defend it or justify it, you need to come from the other end. Why we can't have one of these? Is God real? Is he that big? Is he that good? Didn't the Bible say he gives us richly all things to enjoy? He'll give you things that's got no other purpose except you enjoy them. You enjoy them. If, if you're not running after that, you're after him. You don't love that. I changed my my vernacular some years ago when the Lord showed me that. I changed the way I used the word love. It's used too loosely. People love their car. They love their, I love my house. I love my new watch. I love my new outfit. Oh, I love this. I love, I love pizza. <laughs> I love pie. You don't need to love any of that. That's too strong a word. And it's not just a matter of changing your speech. It's a matter of changing your heart. I don't love cars. For one thing, it's never going to love you back. (laughs) You can polish it, buff it, baby it, and talk to it. It is plastic and steel and rubber, and it's rusting as we speak. (laughs) And you're never going to take it with you, and in 100,000 years from now, you will not care. Don't love your house. I love my house. Quit saying that. Well, I'll say, I'm telling you, you don't need to say that. That word should be reserved for God and people. Come on, are you with me? I love God. I love people. I can enjoy things. I can be thankful for them, but I don't love them. I don't long for them. I don't love them. It's just stuff. I said it's just stuff to be used to accomplish his will and plan and to help somebody. It's just stuff. You can tell how much you love something by how upset you get if something's not right about it. Something went wrong in the remodel of the house you love. And you're just upset. You are just upset. You are livid. You are hurt. All that's being revealed is you care way too much about that. That's too important to you. Why would God be jealous? There are parts of you that only God should have. Only God. It's compared to husband and wife relationship, isn't it? He calls idol worship 
adultery. Because it is. It's not just figurative. It really is spiritually exactly what happens if husbands and wives are unfaithful to each other. And you can't say, well, if you are enlightened enough, it won't bother you if your spouse commits adultery. Well, then you'd be more enlightened than God. None, you got to realize if somebody's your spouse, they're not your property. You don't own them. You don't control them. But there are parts of their life and parts of them that nobody else should have. Is that right? No other man or woman should have. It's kind of like this in your relationship. Your, your heart is like a house. And in your house, there are people that you don't even know could come to the door of your house. Is that right? And you might open the door and talk to them in the entryway or on the porch. But that's as far as they go. Then there's other people. You bring them on into the living room. You don't know them well, but you know them some, and you talk, and, and, and but that's as far as they go. And then there's other people that your real friend. Your real friend, and you bring them on in back to the kitchen. Is that right? And sit down at the table or at the bar, and y'all eat together, and you talk together, and you talk about a lot of stuff, and you, you open your heart. But only your spouse. Do you go back to the bedroom with? Amen. Only your spouse. Well, with God. There are parts of our heart that we can share with other people. But the innermost part. The part that is the greatest love of our life. Is to be reserved for him. And He cares about you so much and that place that you're to give him so much that if you give it to somebody else, he is not aloof and unaffected. It angers him. It bothers him. He gets jealous. (laughs) So you're trying to make God like a man. No, he made us like him. Can you see that? Keep reading. Verse 5. The Lord is a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity. Those that hate him. Verse 6. And showing mercy. Unto thousands of who? Them that love him. And how do you know that they do? (laughs) And keep my commandments. In closing James 4. James 4 and 4. Well, the Lord has helped us here today. I know some of this may be a little bit different than how you've thought or heard, but we need it. We need to come up. God's getting us ready for the next thing. Amen. He wants to be closer to us. He wants to reveal himself more to us. Why don't he just do it? That's not the question. Why don't we love him more is the question. 
Why don't he reveal himself to everybody? He would. He'd like to. But he doesn't do it. He does to those who love him. Who want him enough to cancel this or that appointment. And quit doing this all the time. Change up their lifestyle. Come on, are you with me? To begin to focus more of their time and energies into him. Want him. Desire him. Instead of watching the clock and saying, do I have to read my chapter? No, you want to keep going when you finish. Do I have to go to church? No, you want to go to church. Do I have to do it? No, you want to. If you don't want to, if you're looking for ways to get away, get away to what? To who? You love something else more. You love somebody else more. I know it's not complimentary, but it's the truth. But it can change. I said it can change. There might have been a time when you didn't love him at all. Didn't know him, didn't believe in him. That's changed. Well, it can change again. You can go from loving him this much to loving him this much. And this much. Come on, can you see this? Our love for him is increasing. As we, that's what's happening in these services. Our love for him is growing. Our love for him is advancing and increasing. I said, well, I need healing. I need healing. I'm hurting. This is the answer. Love him more. Love him more. Reach out to him. What does he do to people that love him? He manifests himself to them. That's a healing. That's a need met. That's wisdom. That's direction. Yeah, but I need, but I need, but I want. There's a bunch of people that want from him, that need from him, and don't love him. And it's hard for him to reveal himself to them. Because they just want that. They don't want him. In healing school some years ago, Brother Hagin's ministry, there was a a very wealthy couple there with their son who had a, a pronounced incurable disease. And they had come there as a last resort. This was all new to them. Very wealthy. Used to social circles that a lot of people normally aren't. And uh, they were there a couple of weeks and I just did not feel like he was responding to the word like he should be. And I, I got to praying some extra about him. And in prayer, this is what I saw. I mean, some things you, it's hard to even explain. Like this man represented God and this, this represented the people. It was like they didn't want to get any closer to him than they had to to get that healing and then go back to their lifestyle, which was godless. They were only there to get that. They wanted what God had. They didn't want him. That's a problem. Can you see that? That's a problem. Well, how would you feel? Somebody wants something from you, but they don't want you. How would you like that? No. You can be in a bad shape. and It's easy to get on your mind. I need this. I need this. I got to have this. But if you'll come boldly to the throne of grace. To obtain mercy and get grace to help in your time of need. If you'll listen, you'll say, God, I need. He said, I know, baby. Come here. Come here. He don't just want. 
your need met. He's already paid for all that. He's already done all that. He wants you. Come here. Come here. Sit on my knee. Come here. Get close to me. Come here. A lot of times he'll start talking to you and you realize that thing ain't even the problem. <laughs> he'll start talking to you about this is what this is what I made you for, and this is what I have planned for you, and this is what I want for you. And in that love, there's healing. In that love, there's restoration. In that love, there's deliverance. In that love, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. Glory to God. Glory to God. James 4 and 4. I'm reading the Amplified. James 4 and 4. He's telling some people, he said, you act like unfaithful wives. Having illicit love affairs with the world. With the world. With the world. Breaking your marriage vow to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend is being God's enemy? A lot of people are not in church. Because they love what's in the world more than they love what's in here. That's just a fact. That's a problem. Being the world's friend is being God's enemy. Can you see why I said I, I, I quit using that word love on anything except God and people? I don't love a sport. Well, I love golf. I love swimming. I love ski. I love boating. No, quit it. Maybe you really have, and you need to quit that. Quit loving it. Don't mean you can't enjoy it from time to time, but don't love it. I love God. Say it out loud. I love God. And I love people. Whoever chooses to be a friend of the world takes his stand as the enemy of God. Keep reading. Or do you suppose that the scripture is speaking to no purpose that says the spirit whom he has caused to dwell in us yearns over us and he yearns for the spirit to be welcomed with a jealous love? Does God care if we love other stuff and other people more than him? He cares. It matters to him. We're his. He made us. And now we've been born again, exclusively His. There's part of us that should only be His. And everything we are and have should be available to Him because of our love for Him. Nobody should have to work us into it or just coax us into it. We want to please Him. We want to serve Him. We want to know Him more. Verse 8, what does it say? Come close to God. Why would you come close to God? Why? You want him. You desire him. You love him. You want more of him. Come close to God. And what will happen? We just keep seeing it. He will reveal himself to you by coming close to you. Why does most of the world not know him? They don't want to. I know that that may sound strange. But they just don't care enough about him. Why do many Christians lead a, a dull life? Too much of other stuff. Not enough of him. Oh, but when we get to wanting him more. Loving him more. 
coveting earnestly the best gifts of the Spirit, earnestly desiring what's His. I believe it's working in you right now. Can you feel a stirring? Earnestly. Oh, friend, this little short life is not all there is. We're going to be out of here. Where are we going to go? Who are we going to see? Him. Who are we going to live with forever? Him. 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 We don't want to be distracted and preoccupied with the stuff in this world that's passing away so quickly. And we certainly don't want to love it. We don't love it. I don't love stuff. I don't love money. I love him. And I love his. Stand on your feet, everybody. An act of honor and love is what happened in what we call the Last Supper. Jesus expressed his love, didn't he, to the disciples. He hand fed them, (laughs) broke the bread, passed it, took the cup, drank, passed it. And after they supped, put off his outer garments and got water and washed their feet, physically expressing his love for them. Does he love you that way? Yes, he does. So let's honor him in uh, taking communion together. Those of you watching, if you're able to, get you some elements and, and join us. And let's not do it as a tradition or a ritual. Let's do it as a covenant act. Like between husband and wife. Between our Lord, our husband, and we his bride, the church. Thank you, Lord. Close your eyes, sit out loud, Lord. I believe in you. I believe your love you have that you've shown for me, for us. And I love you. And my love for you is increasing and growing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Say this out loud. I confess you. As Lord of my life, there is no one more important to me than you. I confess your things, your kingdom, your plan is the greatest thing in my life. Nothing else is as important or more important than that. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.